passion by definition, if you look up the Latin roots is to suffer. And so to be passionate, it's what are you willing to suffer for? Um, and that's what success is. Success is continuing to go and push through something that everybody else stopped. Hello and welcome to Pave Your Own Path, where I get a chance to speak with driven individuals from various industries to better understand the challenges they face to achieve success. This podcast is intended to inspire others to follow their own passions and help understand the value that you already bring every day. So let's get started. Hello, beautiful people. Today, my guest is Michael Jared, or simply known to most as MJ. MJ has been a mentor and friend of mine over the past year. His attitude of continuous learning and putting these ideas into action are what make him a part of the top percent in his industry. As a leader, he helps his team reach their full potential by teaching them to invest in themselves and answer their own questions through rational thinking. With over 10 years of excelling in business development and many more years of morel mushroom hunting, I'm excited to introduce Michael Jared. MJ, thank you for being a part of the show. How are we doing today? I'm fantastic. Thanks for, for, having, for having me here and uh, a great introduction. <laughs> of course, man. Um, well, I want to dive right into this and give the listeners a better understanding of your life. Uh, as you may know, I like to do that in a chronological order. So could you give the listeners a better understanding of your childhood, uh, maybe who Michael Jared was growing up? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, came from a big family. Uh, my On my mother's side, she had seven brothers and sisters and lower socioeconomic, uh, blue collar, um, and uh, big family gatherings. My, my dad had a sister and she had five children. So uh, holidays were always fun. Uh, learned a lot um, from those unique personalities. <laughs> uh, so that was a lot of my childhood, but uh, yeah, I grew up in Indianapolis, um, moved further out west into the, the country. Um, we don't have any of those fancy stoplights like, like most of your major cities, but oh, yeah. uh, we, we did have the world's fastest lawnmower, the Dixie Chopper. Um, so that's, uh, that's something of value for your <laughs> conversation, but, uh, outside of that, you know, just, uh, just, a, a young, a young kid, always curious and, uh, trying to stay, um, unseen from trouble. Awesome, man. Um, well, did you have any, uh, career interests growing up or hobbies that maybe you thought I could turn this into a career? Yeah, early early on, um, you know, I really loved the the service industry of people helping and giving back. So I wanted to be a doctor, and um, you know, I was really interested in biology and sciences and how things worked, and liked to tinker. And I thought I'd be an architect, and went to to you know college with the ambition of being a doctor, and then you know really found communication. And, and how things work and those connections was something that I was always drawn to. And, and it all came in, in how we communicated and advertised and, and sold ourselves, um, and so to speak, to the rest of us uh, and to influence each other and, and get things done. So i um, always, always shifted and been very curious in how, how people connect and how things get done. Yeah. And at an early age, did you really know... Uh, much about sales or was there anybody in your family that was involved in sales? 
<laughs> you know, being a part of a large family, um, grandma used to have these, uh, um, this is my grandma Marshall on my mother's side and the, you know, seven brothers and sisters. So during the holiday, you know, right when you walked in their front porch, they would have these towers. If you can imagine like these towers, these plastic towers of 10 to 15 stacked high. And it was all just like hand pressed pies and cakes and, um, all these great things. So I remember, um, I was, I was a small guy. Uh, most of my family members were a little bit larger. My mom's real, real small blonde haired woman. Um, so it was always a competition, um, whether it be getting the food, uh, to get that great piece of pie or, you know, we play games in the back. So it was always, um, learning how to negotiate. And that's, that's what I was really curious about. So, you know, later on I learned that's, that's selling. Um, and, everything we do is, is that transfer of enthusiasm and influencing people to, to kind of maybe look at things your way and, and, uh, change their perspective. Yeah. And I see that you went to DePaul university. What attracted you about, uh, that college more than others? You know, um, I had the head of admissions, Madam Madeline Egan at the time, uh, this beautiful woman and she yeah, was tall and short hair and she came in and she was you, you could just tell like she commanded a room and there was just something about her presence and the way she described it so she i met her at our high school we had um like many high schools do uh, you know uh those universities and colleges come in to do interviews and talk to prospective students so i remember hey DePaul was coming i was like hey it's pretty close i want to check it out and um yeah i really just liked who she was and how she described it and I, I grew up, you know, I graduated with 69 other young, bright-eyed kids, um, and I wanted to do something bigger, and I wanted to make a bigger impact, and that's what she described, um, this small little university. So um, that that was attractive to me. So originally, I, I, I wasn't even accepted into DePaul. Um, I, two weeks before graduating high school, I was going to go to IU, uh, Bloomington, uh, McNutt Dormitory. And everything all set up, I was meeting my roommate and uh, Madeline Egan at that time, um, the head of missions for DePaul, uh, I worked at the local Greencastle uh, Kroger and I was working behind the seafood department and I was moving stuff around some ice and I see her coming down the aisleway and she has an envelope in her hand and she hands it to me and she said, hey, I'd like for you to come to DePaul. Um and so that, 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 that was one of the first times I realized just the impact of influence. And I remember, you know, meeting her that first time in high school. And, um, then I, you know, I got that rejection letter from DePaul originally. And so, you know, I wrote her a letter. I knew she was a big Mickey Mouse fan because yeah. uh, she mentioned them. So I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this was brilliant or just naive or stupid, but I went to, um, <clears throat> to CVS and got a card. It was a Mickey Mouse card. It was a kid's card. And, and I just said, thank you for the opportunity. You know, I really would have loved to, to have spent some time with you all there. Um, you know, any, any other considerations and sent that to her. So I don't know if that was the tipping point. We did talk about it later, but she gave me an opportunity. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how I ended up getting to DePaul. I was kind of last second uh, door opening by Madeline Egan. Love you, Madeline. <laughs> Shout out to Madeline. Um how do you believe DePaul University positively affected you and made you more equipped for your sales career? <laughs> um, 
a lot of a lot of ways to go down that path um, through the social inner interactions to you know working with uh, <laughs> with this my schedule and transferring from biology to communications and doing that in a short period of time um, and then really the whole experience um, was was influencing me in, in everything in life even going back and I love that you started with your childhood because those interactions early on with my, my uncle, Joe, um, he was, he was a good old guy and used to work, um, for Ford as a mechanic. Um, and just negotiating with him, we would go, you know, garage selling and stuff and just seeing how he, um, you know, dickered around and negotiated with people. And then, you know, just doing that all the way through, through growing up and then those interactions in college just to, you know, be a part of certain groups or experiences. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if that really answered your question, but it, all, all those experiences um, showed me how the power of influence and showing other people that you care for them um, can can bring you a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah, um, I guess ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get at, do you feel like college prepared you specifically for your sales career or do you think you oh. continued your own education um, that led you down the path to where you are now? I think in, in retrospect, absolutely. During the time, you know, you, you're pretty blind to that um, and in where I was going, like what did I want to do and, you know, whether it be in media and advertising, kind of shift and helping people. Um, so I would say absolutely, yes, it did. Um, just an unbeknownst to, to my uh, blind eye at the time, uh, it definitely was influencing me. Yeah. Now I want to talk about your uh, first job that you got. How did you get it straight out of college and what were some of your main goals getting into this position? Yeah. Um, so first job right out of college, I worked a lot of different W2 jobs, that Kroger job, um, concrete, asphalt, all these different things. And I realized through a lot of you know physical labor and having to pay for school, um, I, didn't really, I didn't really want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, but it taught me a lot of great skills and negotiation in with that and, and how to to get people motivated and do things. So when I first got out of college, um, you know, I, I went to DePaul and a lot of kids there, it was great. They um, had an opportunity to travel abroad. Um, my path didn't, didn't allow me to do that, but that's something that I was really excited to do. So I went to go travel abroad. Um, but my, my mom ended up getting sick and unfortunately I couldn't do that. Um, so I, I ended up staying home um, to be closer with her uh, but prior to that, I was gearing up to go. And so I reached out to a buddy and I said, hey, I found this gig um, selling posters. Uh, we just have to get into a U-Haul van and we travel around seven states in like four weeks. What do you think? And uh, he said, yeah. So um, leading up to that, I was going through and we were doing poster sales. So I was, um, you know, a, a U-Haul, if you can imagine a U-Haul truck full of posters and gear rolling up to your local university and college and, uh, and setting up a, an event for you to come by. Nice. So was this, uh, advertising different businesses in the area or what were these posters all about? Were you selling oh, Jimi Hendrix posters to people? Yeah, man, this is Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. This is to make your dorm, your room, your, your place better. Um, from all of your favorite musicians to rainbows, to inspirational quotes, um, a little mix of, uh, the decor you need to make your 
experience at the university that much better. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> how, how did this lead into your future job in sales? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been, you know, had that little taste of sales. And so I, I liked it. I liked that I got to, you know, be out there and, and operate as my own entrepreneur and, and business owner. Um, and that taught me early on that, you know, that was a contract work. But even as I started getting into the W2 work and, and sales, um, you know, I had a good mentor share with me, you, you are self-employed. And the sooner you start realizing that everything that you decide to invest in yourself and it's your responsibility, it's not the company that you work for. Um, and so I took that to heart and realized that pretty on and, and that, that helped me through those early experiences realize, Hey, you know what? I run this like a business and, and, um, I get freedom and flexibility with my time. I get to, you know, eat, eat what I earn. Um, I can have fun with this. So I was really attracted to that freedom and flexibility of getting out there, creating something, um, and making it better, uh, even from something that existed in that marketplace before. Yeah. And at the time, did you have any kind of idea what kind of role you wanted to hold in sales? Did you have an idea of what kind of industry you wanted to be in or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I've always gone to, you know, helping people initially what was I was really attracted to um, because of I, I loved how things work was advertising and marketing. So that's where I, I transitioned. You know, after I was doing the the, the poster sales, I found out, you know, mom, mom was not doing well. So I stayed close and um, I got a job as a, a job developer for adults who had mental and physical disabilities. And so that that was the, the the toughest sales job I've ever had and the one that taught me and accelerated just my learning um, in sales and, and what it took to be successful because you you were finding jobs for individuals um, in some cases that had physical disabilities some cases they had um, some mental disabilities and they wanted certain things the organization wanted certain things the state wanted certain things so you had to get all those communicating and all on the same page at the same time so it took a lot of listening skills it took a lot of coordination and planning and and proper expectations um so that everybody won everybody was benefiting from the experience um so that realizing working with the government say it's like how can i amplify this and do it more um and you know that's how i got into advertising and marketing. Um, I wanted to see how, how can we communicate and how do we influence people on a, on a large scale and how do these big brands do it? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and I know you mentioned, you might not have mentioned the name, but career builder where you used to work at. Uh, I want to see what do you believe the value was that you brought there every day? Cause one of the reasons for this podcast is to help people understand their own value. So what was the value you believe you brought to that job? And then also, how do you help other people find their own value? Yeah, you know, it, it, there is, there's an intrinsic value and there's the extrinsic, right? So, you know, for me, what I was, you know, all pumped up and excited about was um, I was seeing a bunch of my friends getting into sales and making money and having these great experiences. And I wanted to travel. I, that was something early on that I was always attracted to. So that was a focus for me. Um, what I started realizing as I was going and, and helping these other brands and, and doing this is it really didn't, you know, match up with my values and, and what drove me to be successful. So I had a good mentor talk to me about happiness. He's like, you know, a lot of people will 
they'll want to be happy and they'll be like, Hey, I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I get that pay raise. I'll, I'll be happy, you know, when I get married and they're missing the boat. He explained to me, it's like, you know, you're, then that means you're always going to be chasing. You're always going to be waiting for that next promotion. You're always going to be waiting for that additional pay and all these things where if you look at happiness as more of an X, Y axis, where on the X axis, you, you have your values, your, your core beliefs, you know, what do you stand for? And then on that Y axis, you have your actions. What are you actually doing physically sharing, saying, right? And when those two points intersect, that's happiness. Um, so that, that, some, that image always stuck with me because uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be happy now. I'm going to do the things that I believe in and then I'll be happy. So that's what I, I've been focused on. And I encourage anybody that's looking for a career is to, to match up the skills. There's certain things, you know, I didn't always like some of the things I was doing, but I did them because I wanted those skills. I wanted to learn how to be a better leader. So I went and, and I went to an organization that allowed me to have that opportunity. And any place you go to, I think is similar to that. But that, that's what I, I believe for anybody out there right now um, that's, that's looking for an opportunity is to focus on what, what intrinsically motivates you, uh, what, what makes you excited that you'll be proud of yourself later for doing and you want to share with others. Um, and, you know, through working at Career Builder, I started learning that, hey, this is cool. I mean, the most valuable asset for any organization is people. P organizations, anything, it's all about people. You have to have consumers, you have to have people to, to share and get it out. So um, that's one thing that as I go through this, I, I've really learned is just find out what's going to make you excited um, and match up with your beliefs and, and your values. Yeah, I love that. I think that's something you've obviously taught me very well in the last year is, uh, yeah, I might want this house, but um, you can have little goals on the way there and make sure that you're happy on the way there. Because once you get that house, you're not necessarily going to be happy. You're going to have another goal that you're trying to reach. And which is why you're one, one of the people who always say happiness is a journey. It's not a destination. So um, don't always think once you've reached this big audacious goal that all of a sudden happiness switch is just going to flip in your head. Um, so no, I love that you touch on that. Um, well, and, and that's why, that's why it's important to have those beliefs and those core values because man, it, the monotony it takes to be successful, just the, the day-to-day -day things that are just so mundane. If you can master that and you can love the process, um, and, and it matches up with what you're doing. Wow. You're, you're, there's nothing that'll stop you. Um, you just need enough time and, and you'll win. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing I'm, I'm continuing to learn. And I, and I, here's the thing, you know, you, somebody, you mentioned, you know, you wanted to share this with people that potentially are in high school that will, you know, gravitate to this and make an impact so they can, you know, go on their journey. Um, you may be listening to this later on, you're in high school and you're like, shit, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I don't understand it. Um, I've heard this stuff when I was in high school and, and it took me till, to, you know, I'm in my thirties and forties to, to start, you know, processing it and making it relate to me. So, you know, uh, like they say with wine, it takes a little time and it, it's uh, better, but, uh, you know, the sooner you, you, you gravitate to this, the, the better off you'll be. And you always want to look back and say, uh, I wish I had more time, but I I'm excited for the future because, we're just learning so much more and more and getting better together. Yeah, of course. Um, and now you are a regional manager, and I know you have been a leader of many different teams in your past as well. 
what is one of the most important lessons you have learned while managing and leading others that could be helpful for someone who may want to be a manager in the future? Ah, that's a good question. Um, you know, setting setting standards for yourself um, and, and leading from the front. You know, we, we talked about stories of of Gandhi and people and visiting and the, you know, the story of the, the mother and her son eating the candy. Um, and I think it, it's, it's important to, to know that as a leader, it's different. Um, you know, I, I came from a generation where, you know, our, our families and grandparents, they were in world war two and, and, you know, in Vietnam. And so there was this, this different hierarchy of, of leadership um, you know, there's so many great women in the workforce now. So as a leader, um, the biggest shift uh, that that I found um, that I've had to get a lot better at is just my emotional intelligence, um, being under, able to understand um, and empathize with someone and what they're going through, but also realize their, their unique skills. So that's something I was fortunate when I was early on as a job developer for, for those with disabilities is it taught me everyone has a skill that they are amazing at and in some cases elite and better than anybody else in the world um it's just you know finding that and experimenting so um yeah i i think as a leader today we've just got to really get better at the emotional intelligence and and know there's a, a lot of powerful resources out there um but finding the right talent and setting expectations with that standard uh is is how how we're going to lead them i love it man um, you were someone who obviously has a lot of self-awareness, um, and you've helped me gain my own self-awareness. What is some of, what are some of the ways we can help people gain self-awareness, uh, or maybe have you, uh, when you first started to gain your self-awareness and confidence, what was something that you started doing? Yeah. You know, I was fortunate early on. Somebody told me, um, Hey, um, got hit in the head pretty hard with it. It's like, you're responsible for everything that happens to you. I'm like, no, I'm not responsible for the rain. I'm not responsible for all these things. But it's like, you know what? I'm responsible for how I react and how I respond. And that's going to help me get the outcome that that I ultimately want. Um, so, you know, as as I look in to prepare myself um, to get better, it's always about that self-awareness. So a good exercise um that I had somebody doing at first. I thought it was pretty morbid. I was like, yeah, this is, all right, I'll, I'll drink the Kool-Aid. Let's check it out. Was he said, you know, if you really want to find out what you want to become and, and, and who you are and your values and beliefs, um, write your eulogy. What, what are people, what are people going to say about you? More importantly, what do you want them to say about you? And that was uh, pretty shocking to me. So I, I, I did the exercise and as I was going through it and I'm writing this eulogy and I'm like, oh, all these great things and this is the type of person and I'm thinking, you know, who, who am I? How do I behave? Um, it gave me a pretty clear picture. It's like, oh, wow. Some of those things I was like, okay, cool. Yep, I'm following that. All right, I'm living that way. And then, then there's some other things that made me realize, man, I'm not, I'm not quite to the person that's worthy of this story. And so, you know, growth, we all want to have success in our own lives, in our own way. And, and it's just something you have to grow into. You can't, you can't get to success. You grow into success, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, I guess that's a great segue. And I, I like to have some of my people define success. So how do you personally define success? Yeah, great, great question. Um, <laughs> you, we, I've gone over this in a variety of different ways, but to me, it's just what you'd mentioned before. Um, success is, is defined by yourself and it's through your own self-awareness. Um, but for me, you know, success for me is, is different. Uh, it's, you know, doing what I want with whom I want, when I want, wherever I want. That's, that's my ultimate success. So for me, I'm always, I'm, I'm a sucker for the process. I love the process. If I can get into the process, man, I can achieve a lot. And that's the ultimate goal is just to, to do those things. So it's, it's really success. Um, more clearly, if I want to be honest for somebody that may be younger or even going through their own challenges with it is success is falling in love with the process. Because if you fall in love with the process, you will get to success. You'll grow into it, but you've got to be self-aware and you've got to be continuously learning. So those are the key attributes of somebody who's going to be successful is they've got to identify, hey, where am I at? And, and what skills do I need to do and actually take action on them? Yeah. No, that's awesome. And uh, for some listeners out there who might not understand what the process is, uh, what are some processes you might put in place? Uh, I know you talk about your Sunday planning and a couple other things that you might do. Are there any processes you want to talk about that you have implemented or habits that you have implemented? Yeah, you know, it's uh, everybody's got different processes depending on, you know, what type of career you're in and, and venture that you're doing, right? So, you know, as a baseball player, there's certain mechanics as I'm a pitcher, I need to do certain stances and get, get these going. Right. And then I, I throw well with everybody else is different. So for you, you're going to have to define that for yourself, but some things that you can do along the way to help identify it and, and to tighten in your, what every process needs is checkpoints. So those self-awarenesses, in actionable steps, right? So what, what am I doing um, to identify, am I progressing? So are you tracking it? What are you doing to measure? And then am I taking the actions to get to where I need to be? And then it's just a series of, of evaluating and reevaluating um, to, to keep going. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. There. <laughs> you answered my question just fine. Um because I think that's something you've helped me implement and I've uh, read plenty of times throughout this last couple of years is I used to say, I just want to save money. Uh, I want to save money each month. Well, how mm -hmm. much money do you want to save? How much are you going to put away? What are you going to do to put this money away? Um, just having very precise, actionable steps with uh, something you're able to measure because a goal that you can't measure, you can never hit that goal, um, in my opinion. I'm no expert, so... Well, you know, psychologists do show that it's like, you know, you, we want to see progress as humans. Um, you know, our brains are wired for, you know, comfort in, in danger. Like we, we want to seek comfort and we want to avoid danger. Um, that's why news and sensationalism is so hyped because it's just negative stuff and the brain feeds off of it. And it's like, num, 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 num. so, you know, the biggest things as, as we've talked and we've learned, Matt, is you know, success really comes in planning. So your process is just your plan. Like, and then is your plan put into action? So your plan could be a lot of different things, but it does need to have something that's measurable. And, and that has those checkpoints. Um, that way you can see that progress. And as humans, we love seeing that progress. You know, that's why uh, you, you see those, um, 
those thermometers, right? People of trying to, to raise things. They're like, hey, come help us out. It's progress. People like to see that. They like to be involved with it. Uh, it's, it's part of our, our nature. So, you know, having having something in place that you can measure um, gives us joy and, and it lets us know that we're on course or we need to readjust. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Um, we are currently in a book club together. If you aren't, if you're listening to this and you're not in a book club, get in one. Uh, it could be my I, personally, I like self-development books, sales books, um, anything that can help me elevate my game. Uh, right now we're reading the compound effect by Darren Daly. I know something that helped me gain a little bit more self-confidence is this idea of your funeral. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you want to touch on this, MJ, I'd love for you to talk about it, but basically the idea is more people are happy that you're dead. Uh, it sounds really morbid right at first, but uh, do you want to dive into that a little bit? What, what would, what did you pull out of it? Basically I, I gained self-confidence through this because, um, it's telling you that you shouldn't give a shit about what anybody thinks. Um, yeah. your whole life at the end, basically there's a florist, there is, um, a funeral service. There's a bunch of people who are in business. So when they say they're happy, you're dead, they don't mean a bunch of people who hate you. They mean it's keeping other businesses uh, mm-hmm. flourishing. And so the idea is your whole life, um, you shouldn't care about what people think. Yeah, there's uh, there was this notion, and Darren, Darren Hardy talks about this as well. I, I don't know if you got it from Jim Rohn, but it was um, – and this is what you learn too, as even as you listen to us and what we're sharing with you out there today, listeners, is nothing new. Uh, it's, it's, these are some timeless truths out there. So continue to search and, and get yourself as educated to find your own truths. But, um, the more information, you know, the better you can consume and, and make an educated decision. But he talks about, um, you know, when you're, he calls it the 10, 40, 60 rule or 10, 40, 65. And by, by age 10, you're so consumed with what people think of you. You can't wait to change things so you can get their interaction and their approval. We, we're, we're primal. We, we're designed to, you know, initially the leader of the tribe. If you're not accepted by the leader of the tribe, you get left behind. So this is, this is, this is for survival, right? So this is something that's wired into us. So this is not anything that makes us imperfect um, as an individual. This is human nature. But he describes the, you know, the 10, 40, 65, where at 10, you're like, man, I just, what do they think about me? You're so worried. And at age 40, you realize, you know what? I don't give a care what they're thinking about me at all. It doesn't matter. At age 65, you realize nobody actually is caring about me at all anyway. And, and you know, that can be kind of heartbreaking for some of us. Um, but as you think about it, I hope it becomes liberating and realize all the things that you're worried about, all the things that you're consumed with, people don't care. Um, focus on you, work on your self-development, have that self-awareness. Um, and as long as you're doing things that you find value and, and are in your core beliefs, uh, you'll be happy and good things will happen. So, um, that was, I, I, I like that philosophy too. It's, it's interesting. It definitely is. It gives, it gave me confidence as well as, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they think. Um, go out there, but I know, especially as you're younger and you may be hearing this, uh, that's not what you want to hear. But, uh, at the end of the day, later on, you realize, yeah, they don't care anyhow. Um, yeah. so just be you do your own thing. And that's, uh, why I reached on you for, uh, how eloquently you can uh, describe what I tried to, um, 
Now, out of all the sales principles you've learned and maybe you can touch on um, think and grow rich, if, if that's what you're thinking towards, but out of all the sales principles or self-development principles you've learned, what do you believe is the most crucial that has helped you elevate your game? Hmm. It's like saying, what's your favorite Beatles song for me? Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I, you know, and I, I'm a student. I love uh, the psychology of selling and, you know, like a lawyer would have a bunch of leather-bound books um, on law or a doctor on medicine. You know, I love sales. I love consuming it. And, um, you know, the one foundational truth across everything um, is, you know, I found um, through Dale Carnegie, was, you know, People, they don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care. Um, and this is timeless through history. Socrates has said it in different ways as well. Um, I wasn't prepared for this. Otherwise, I have the quote. Maybe I'd be better at that next time for you. But, you know, it's it's amazing to me that um, human nature, uh, that, that transfer of enthusiasm, that's my core philosophy is, you know, Transferring enthusiasm is my favorite definition of sales. Is it is just a transfer of enthusiasm. So as we go through this and and we we learn about new products and solutions and ways to solve problems for our customers, uh, it's how we transfer that enthusiasm and get them excited as whether they're going to do it or not. Because people don't buy um, rationally; they buy emotionally. Um, so how are you going to invest in them? And you know, I've always you know I'd be shameful not to go back and reiterate the. Uh, People don't care what you know. They just want to know that they care. So the best sales consultants out there are great listeners and they solve problems for people. And so as you're going into your sales career, uh, the quicker you can learn how to um, just listen, ask questions, get people talking about themselves. Um, there's this funny thing that will happen. They'll actually want to know what you do and how that you can help them. And they'll ask for your help. And it's a pretty powerful thing when you get to that point. Uh, of being a true consultant is, is someone who solves problems for, for other people that they're going to refer them and everybody wins. Yeah. Uh, when did you originally read this book by Dale Carnegie or what was going on in your life that made you want to read this book? Yeah, I was one of those people, you know, out of college, especially as I transitioned, I, you know, you know, reading biology and chemistry, I read a lot and I was like, that's not my jam. Um, and so I thought, and so I left college, um, a fool, um, and didn't really do much reading. And then, you know, over the last 10 years, I've, I've picked up reading more and cause I realized that the best investment I can make, I learned this from Brian Tracy, um, was, was in myself. Um, so I started to consume more and then, then I was that person that was like, ah, I, you know, you maybe heard your friends, ah, I'm just not a big reader. So I changed my mindset and I said, hey, you know, I used to be a person that didn't read it anymore, uh, but I'm getting better at it every day. And by doing that and changing just that, those words and, and how I, you know, identified myself, um, that's, that's a critical piece in, in your success in life is how do you identify yourself? And that, that alone allowed me to become a reader. So I'm a reader today. I'm an avid reader. I love to learn. I love to consume um, so much to the fact that yeah, we started a, a book club, a personal growth book club. And um, yeah, it's powerful. You're, the best thing you can do for yourself in your entire life is invest in yourself. Yeah. And for anybody listening, once again, if you aren't a part of a book club and you're thinking, how do I start one? Reach out. 
I'd love to answer any questions. I'd love to be a part of another book club. Um, so just reach out, but, um, kind of touching on your point as well, what kind of advice would you have for, uh, college or high school people who kind of feel lost and why sales could be a great first choice for them? Well, I would say sales is the only choice to get anything that you want. Uh, whether you're in marketing, whether you're a nurse, uh, whether you want to become, you know, a teacher. They, it all requires a transfer of enthusiasm and the ability to influence people. So um, I would say the biggest thing, continue to invest in yourself. And if you don't know what it is and you don't know what you want to do, um, experiment. Go out there and, and learn. Um, think of yourself in the future. Like what, where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing? And there's this power of this expectant theory. Um, when you start putting out there your intentions, you'll, you'll start seeing things, you know, think of the last time, like, you know, you got your very first car and you're like, oh, this is a sweet car. Nobody in my entire neighborhood has this car. It's the best car in the world. And then all of a sudden you're like, two days later, you're like, damn, I, I see that car everywhere. You ever had that happen, Matt? Oh yeah. All the time. As soon as I got my CRV, I realized it's the most popular car on the planet. Yeah. Right. So it's something that there's a world of abundance around you. You just have to tap into it. And in many cases, it's just you looking and having that self-awareness to say, I need to change my perspective and I need to start looking for the things that I want to attract. Um, so Think of your values. Think of uh, the actions it takes to live up to your values, and then you'll you'll find you'll find it. Um, but you know, don't don't get lost into this uh, this whole thing of passion. Um, it's good to be passionate, but understand what passion means. Passion, by definition, if you look up the Latin roots, is to suffer. And so, to be passionate, it's what are you willing to suffer for. Um, and that's what success is. Success is continuing to go and push through something that everybody else stopped. And your continual action and motion towards that end result is what will get you there. But uh, you've got to be willing to put in the grit and determination and to suffer to get there. Um, a lot of us see this glamorize overnight success. But when you look at those people, you don't see the 12, 18 years they've spent going into clubs and working for nothing just to get their song played. And then all of a sudden they're on the radio and it's overnight. Um, those things take time. So anything worthwhile, I had a good, good, uh, good mentor. This guy owned this property down in Indianapolis. Um, he's like inch by inch life's a cinch. And uh, it's like anything worthwhile does take a little time. And so I've always loved that. So uh, anything you want, it does take time. But if you have a plan for it and you stay persistent towards it um, and you're willing to suffer to get there, uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised. And your future self will say, damn, you're pretty awesome. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> uh, I love that. And uh, one of the ideas I want to go back to uh, for one of our last questions is you come back to this idea of invest in yourself. Um, I know a lot of people believe you should invest 10% in yourself, uh, 10% of what you make, you should try to invest it in yourself. Um, mm -hmm. What are some ways people can instantly start investing in themselves besides the obvious of buying books? Um, what do you believe people could do more of? 
Yeah, and that's a great question. And that's, um, you know, honestly, something that's a challenge as you, because here's the thing, it works. Um, just try it. Don't take my word for it. Do it yourself. Like, um, what's the risk? You invested in yourself and you got better. Awesome. Um, that's the whole point. But is you're going to have eventually a challenge of like, how, how the hell am I going to spend this money? Um, I want to make, I want to make, you know, if I want to make six figures, I got to spend $10,000 at least, right? Uh, if I want to make more than that, I got to spend more than that. So depending on where you want that to be, that's the level. And so what I found is there's, there's basically three, three vital goals that I, I want to accomplish every year. So I, I look at those. So for me, um, I want to increase the intimacy in my relationship. I want to be, you know, a, a great listener for my wife. I want to provide for her. I want to give her those 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 six human needs of certainty and, and all those great things. Um, so I want to get better at that. And I know that I need persistent continued action. So um, it may be me going and getting a trip for us to spend time together. Um, and or uh, maybe like, for example, I took a Yale um, online course for uh, well-being and happiness. Because I figured if I learn how to be better at that, then I could be more emotionally intelligent and help my wife. We'll see if it works, right? So you're going to have to look at your three big things that you want, these hairy, audacious goals, and tie into it. So another one is, um, you know, we're, we're buying properties. We want to buy more properties. So we want to learn about those things. So we're investing in, in real estate law. We're investing in property management. So it really ties into what do you want to learn? What skills, if the future you had them, are necessary for you to get the results that you need? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I can relate it to what I'm doing right now. So that's beautiful because for um, my podcast, I'm only allowed 30 minutes of record time. Otherwise, I have to buy it. And so at first, I was going to say, maybe I'll just do a couple episodes each month. And I was like, no, I told myself I was going to do one a week. So I'll just buy it. So I purchased it. And it's helping me be better by doing these interviews and getting these stories out there. So um, I think that's a good example, and I think it, it needs to be open, Mike. Right? Those are those are the tools and resources that are helping you get better. Um, you may find, hey, I need to improve my mic or my computer or whatever that looks like. Um, you may want to go to a conference on people doing podcasting uh, if that's important to you. So, you know, I think it's if you sit down and go, hey, where where do I want to be? And don't worry about. The, the final destination, I think that's where a lot of people get discouraged is they have this goal and it's up in the sky and it's a beautiful goal, but every day they look up at the sky and they go, Oh shit. <laughs> that's, that's uh that was a good goal. I'm glad I said that was a big one. Okay. Um, what do I do? And um, the people that are successful, all they do is they just focus on what's in front of them. They focus on the step and they focus on the next step. And eventually they go, you know what? let me just take a peek. Let me, let me look and see where I'm at. And then they look and they go, holy shit, I'm actually further than where I wanted to be. Uh, and I still got more than a year to go. So don't, don't be consumed by the audaciousness of your goals. I think it's very important. And uh, you know, all my mentors, they tell me make big, nasty goals. And I love it. Um, because every time I've done it, I find a way, but if you don't, if you don't set yourself to higher expectations, if you don't, if you don't plan on soaring with the eagles, um, as they as they say, you just be scratching with the chickens um, <laughs> or the turkeys. I think, yeah, I butchered that, but it's uh, it's 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 huge. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll 
I'll leave you with this. There, there was a story about um, an eagle's nest, actually, and, and one of the eggs fell all the way down the mountain. And fortunately, it landed um, softly enough. It didn't crack, um, and it fell into a chicken coop. And mother hen, like she do, she saw the egg. She's like, yep, I, I help eggs grow. So she set on this egg. Later on, um, you got these baby chickens running around and you've got this, you know, baby eagle living and, and working like a chicken. And all of a sudden, one day, the little baby eagle that's, a, that's down there with the chickens looks up and sees all these glorious birds flying around. It's like, oh my gosh, what is that? Oh, that's an eagle. And the bird is dream, you know, this little baby eagle down on the ground dreams, oh, I'd love to fly around. And all the other little chicks started laughing and said, no, that's, that's impossible. You're, you're a chicken. And never saw its own potential and, and lived the life of a chicken. So we all have that opportunity to, to soar up there with the eagles or to live in the chicken. So it really, it, it's, it's part in who you associate yourself with. And that's going to be your reference group, as they call it. And that's going to help dictate your, your success or not. So, you know, surrounding, surrounding yourself, that, that'd be the earliest thing. If I, if I had to kind of go back and retract my statement to somebody listening young, surround yourself by, by people that you, you want to be like, um, in terms of their fitness, in terms of how they treat people, right. In terms of their, their finances, um, and you'll see yourself elevate immediately. I love that. And I think that's so hard to understand at an early age, going back to your comment about our primal instincts is just to be accepted. So to leave this group, you have to become accepted by another group almost. Um, yeah. so I love that you mentioned that, but, uh, one thing that I'll add on top of that is one of the more important things I've been able to do in the last uh, couple of years is just get a mentor. Uh, whether that is a manager or a manager you work with or someone outside of that, just someone who you respect and someone you look up to. Um, Cause I know you've talked about a mentor a few times during this episode. So I know that's yeah. important to me as well. Well, and you know, you can break it down for those different types of your life too. It's like for me, if I want to increase the intimacy of my relationship, I want to you know who do I know that's that I, I see that that does that well. So I want to, I want to spend time with them. Um, and that's going to be a different association than somebody that, you know, maybe for my finances um, versus my health. Um, so, you know, trying to, trying to figure out those things um, that, that you can emulate, but make yours. Um, you know, it's important. Uh, I, don't, I, I love the, from the outside, the scenes of Richard Branson and his lifestyle. But as I learn how he manages and juggles 400 companies, no way, that's not me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. Um, so, you know, it's important uh, to pick out what you like about what he does. Um, I love how he's elite with his time and his calendar and how he accesses things in the decision process he makes. Um, but I don't want to live all the lifestyle that he has. Some of it, just not, not all of it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. Um, well, this is a beautiful place to end on. Uh, MJ, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and taking your time out of your day. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. And to all those out there listening, um, you know, we're better together. So, so find some mentors, find other people that you can relate to and, and dive deep into it. Um, if you like this, um, listen to, listen to more of these, find out how other people's perspectives are and, and find some mentors that you can really 
go go deep with versus surface level. A lot of people are doing that today. Um, so make yourself different, and that's that's how you'll be exceptional. Because um, only the, the exception get to that exceptional level. There it is. All right. Uh, if anyone listening has someone who they admire and want to recommend for this show, please send me a message at paveyourownpathpodcast at gmail.com. If you yourself feel successful, let me interview you. I uh, hope you guys learned something today. Please once ask yourself, how do I bring value? Pave your own path and have a wonderful day. Thank you.